Yeah, my name is Ashley. Good morning. Mm, that was sad. One more time. Good morning. Oh, yes. Thank you. Good morning. And whether you are joining us here in the building or you're joining us through via live stream right now, I am. We are glad that you are here with us this morning, that you are choosing to worship at Cedar Mill Bible Church this morning. Um, I have the pleasure of continuing on in our Proverbs series, and I actually feel like I haven't been here in forever. I've been gone the last two weeks because I was on vacation, and I just returned to the office. Yes, okay, yes, whoever that was. We were not together on vacation, but that's how I feel about vacation. Yes, it is amazing. Um, I was out on vacation, and I had the opportunity to go to the coast, just returned to the office this week. But, you know, sometimes vacations aren't all that they're cut out to be. And for me, you know, after two years of not getting COVID, I got coronavirus on vacation, as it would have it. You know, I had such high hopes of hanging out with my dog, walking on the coast, just having a good time. And instead, I was laid up on the couch. And in the midst of having COVID, I had a fall and I hurt my knee. And so I was just laying around this whole time. I don't say that for sympathy. This actually plays into my sermon. But as I was laid up on the couch watching Judge Judy and TLC and all of my favorite shows, I was reminded of how impatient I am. And nothing highlights how impatient we are more than when we get sick. I was laying there on the couch and I was praying. I was like, Lord, I just want to get up and go and do stuff. I want to move freely. I want to move without pain. I'd planned this vacation for so long, and here I am stuck inside on these beautiful days, not being able to do anything. My body wouldn't allow it. I had to move slow. And so suddenly I, I found myself wanting to push past the pain and the hurt and just be over it, but God wanted me to slow down. And God actually reminded me of this scripture. And it may be familiar to you. It's Proverbs 25, 15. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue will break a bone. If you're having deja vu, that is because Dave mentioned that last week. He mentioned that when he reminded us about the power of our words. And he answered these three questions for us. The questions from last week were, why do words matter? It's because they have power. What qualities should mark our words? Honesty, gentleness, and thoughtfulness. And then how can our words be transformed? And that's through heart transformation. Heart transformation through Jesus, right? We can't do it on our own. It's through the power of Jesus Christ that heart transformation takes place. And when Dave mentioned Proverbs 25, 15 last week, I suddenly knew what I was going to preach about today. 
And that's how awesome our God is, how he loops and weaves things together. So today I'm going, thanks, Timmy. So today I'm going to talk about how we can implement the answers to these questions practically by focusing on something that the church needs now more than ever. And that is to know how to engage in having complex conversations. That is a communication skill, and communication skills are highly valuable right now, and the church lacks them. And in today's world, we have lost the ability to talk to one another. We have to be able to talk to one another about the things that are going on in our world and in our city and in our church. We're missing out on opportunities to be a community that reflects Jesus Christ to people who think differently than us because we cannot simply have a conversation. We don't know how to love people where they're at. We don't know how to listen to their viewpoint. We get argumentative or defensive when we're talking to someone who doesn't share our same opinion. Does that sound familiar? It sounds familiar to me because I do it all the time. But throughout scripture, we see that God is so patient with folks from every walk of life. In scripture, we see lives being transformed by the enduring power of enduring conversations. I think of when Moses is talking to Pharaoh. I think of when Deborah talks to the people of Israel and when she talked to Barak. I think of when Nathan talks to David and when Jesus talks to Peter and the woman at the well and countless others. This is why using wisdom to have conversations in today's world is so important. So Proverbs 25, 15 is going to serve as kind of like a gateway for us to talk about these six conversational strategies. And all of them require that we have patience and be mindful of our words, just like Jesus was. And so our impatience hinders our ability to love, listen, learn, and speak life to one another. And as I mentioned, there are so many things that the church has to be steadfast in talking about right now. I'm sure many of you, you have thought of several just off the top of your head right now in this church. We have to make regular practice of having conversations with one another about the tough stuff, not just the weather, not just the Blazers, although I don't know why you want to talk about the Blazers anyway. I'm a Laker fan, so I don't... Yes, I know. I knew, I knew. Yeah, there we go. Um, but we have to talk about these complex issues and the complex issues, women's health, abortion. We have to be able to talk about what it means to be whole life. We have to be able to have conversations about abuse. We have to be able to have conversations about the realities of the LGBTQIA communities. We have to be able to talk about climate change. We have to be able to talk about racism. And these aren't easy things to talk about. Did you know that there are over 730 hate groups registered in the United States? And 10 of those are in Oregon, are here. We have a lot of stuff that we need to talk about. We live in a city that mandates to the church 
to engage on these issues. Our city is not predominantly Christian. I don't know if you guys knew that. It is not. So we have a lot of conversations that we need to have. And the way to have them is not by avoiding them or arguing with them or getting defensive. It's by being a non-anxious, loving, patient presence in the face of people that may disagree with you. And not just people that aren't Christians. This is people within the church because we disagree with one another all the time, right? We have to be patient and loving with each other. Proverbs 3, 1 through 2 says, Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you peace. They will add to you. And Ephesians 4, 3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We have the ability to do this through the way that we talk to one another. And of course, through the Holy Spirit that enables us to do this. I truly believe that these six strategies through the power of the Spirit and through the power of God's Word can help us reflect Jesus tangibly to one another. And so these six conversational strategies are as follows. One... Questions, not accusations. Two, do not, don't assume malicious intent. Three, practice incarnational listening. Four, show respect. Five, respond lovingly and tactfully. And six, be okay with being uncomfortable and persist. So these six conversational strategies actually were developed between me and some friends back in 2020 when we were trying to figure out how to talk about the pandemic. You guys remember that, right? That whole, that pandemic thing that was there, the pandemic and vaccines. And then George Floyd happened. We were trying to figure out how to talk about that as we launched some conversations about what was going on during that time. And so we wanted to launch these things so that we would be able to talk to one another in a way that reflected Jesus and to help other people be able to do that way. So let's dive in to these, these six strategies. So the first one, questions, not accusations. You know, oftentimes we start by accusing people in our conversations instead of asking them a simple question. We see that modeled when Jesus restored Peter, right? What did he do? You know, Jesus had actually betrayed, I mean, not Jesus, Peter actually did betray Jesus, And instead of Jesus going to Peter and saying, you know what, dude, you betrayed me. You're awful. He sat down with him and he said, Peter, do you love me? Simple question. He asked this question three times. He patiently sat with Peter. He modeled what it looks like to start a conversation with a question and not an accusation. And recently I watched this documentary called Accidental Courtesy. And it's the life, it's about the life of this musician, Daryl Davis. And it's a fascinating documentary. It's on Amazon right now, it's not free, you have to pay for it. 
but it's wonderful. And this guy, Daryl, who is a black man, he actually has conversations with Klan members. This is what he does for kicks and giggles and fun. He feels like he is called to have conversations with clan members and he sits with them and they talk about many different things. They talk about music, they talk about family. He's done this over years and years and years. And because he spent time investing and enduring conversation with them, through those conversations, he has been able to talk dozens of clan members into disassociating themselves with the clan just through relationship. And so for us now, certainly if this man can sit across from the table and talk to clan members, people who think really different than he does, we can certainly talk to our neighbors who think differently than us. We must. And it's through enduring that that we will probably see change come. The second one, do not assume malicious intent. I got to be honest, I had never seen the movie Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy before Dave mentioned it. I don't know if any of you have seen it. I don't recommend it. Uh, Dave, <laughs> Dave likes it, but I mean, it's an all right movie. It's fine. It's fine, but it's not the best movie. Um, but anyway, as I was watching this movie, there was a line in there that said, things aren't always as they seem. Things aren't always as they seem. And sometimes when we get into conversations with people, you know, we feel that prickly sensation. You've felt it before. When someone has said something to you and all of a sudden you just want to crawl out of your skin and you're like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. I just need to like... Let them have it. I need to let them have it. And we assume that they are intentionally trying to make us angry. But sometimes people aren't actually intentionally trying to make us angry. They're just speaking from their perspective. And so when we go into a conversation, particularly with a fellow Christian, we have to not assume that they are trying to be malicious because we know that scripture asks us as believers to put off malice, right? So as Christians, we can assume that people have put off malice if you are a follower of Jesus. Now, this isn't saying that people aren't malicious, but this is saying when you walk into a conversation, you do have to assume that people are not out to get you. And so keep engaging, keep listening in that conversation. If you feel yourself being triggered by something, make a mental note of it. You don't have to engage it right then and there. Make a mental note of it and go off and pray about it when that conversation is done and have some conversation with the Lord about what happened during that dialogue. Why did I feel that way? What are you staring in me? And what is it that you want me to go back and say to my brother or sister in love? We have to start taking this into consideration if we want to get anywhere in our conversations with one another about the things that are facing our communities today. Don't assume malicious intent with your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
The third one is practice incarnational listening. And we did not come up with the term incarnational listening. This is something that Pete Scazzaro and his team that does emotional healthy everything came up with. They came up with the term incarnational listening. Proverbs 15.33 says this, wisdom, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. Incarnational listening requires humility. And we model humility in our conversations with others by having a non-defensive posture and being open-handed and vulnerable. Incarnational listening is a skill that helps us listen like Jesus, right? We're all about becoming like Jesus and making him known here. And so what does that mean for us? For us, we must start becoming like Jesus in the way that we listen to one another. You see, we spend a lot of time in conversation trying to convince someone to believe what we believe, that we're right and they're wrong. And this is not the way of humility. What if instead we... Instead of trying to be right, we simply try to understand someone's perspective, which actually leads us into more conversations about the very thing that we want to talk, to talk about. When we get defensive and we start trying to convince people that our way is right, what usually happens? Things shut down, there's no room to have any further conversations, and the relationship is what? A lot of times, done conversation over. We have to be better about how we talk to one another. Rich Velotis, pastor at New Life Fellowship in Queens, New York, and author of Deeply Formed Life, if you have not read that book, I highly, highly, highly recommend it, says this about incarnational listening. To truly listen to another person requires something of a crucifixion, I must undergo a painful process of leaving what is familiar territory, which is my perspective on the matter, and make space in my heart for a different narrative. It is a lack of patience, humility, patience and humility together with our fight for individualism and our desire to be right that keeps us from incarnational listening. We all know that Philippians 2 talks about imitating Christ's humility, right? We quote these scriptures all the time. It talks about how we lay our need aside to take on the, the posture of Jesus, to take on servanthood. And in order to serve people well and give them what they actually need, we have to listen to them, right? You can't serve someone if you're not listening to them. You can't meet the need of your neighbor if you don't actually know what they need. If they need a drink of water and you hand them lip balm, you're not being very helpful. You must listen to understand and to be able to serve people well. And that's what we're called to do as Jesus followers, to serve one another and to serve our community. Number four is show respect. I grew up hearing, and maybe you guys did too, that you have to get respect to be shown 
respect, right? Well, that's not necessarily the way of Jesus. Jesus shows respect whether someone else is respecting them, him or not. And we are to do that as well. That doesn't mean that we allow someone to abuse or mistreat us, but that does mean that we acknowledge and give honor to people. And so we show respect in our conversations by acknowledging what is being said and who is saying it. And a good illustration of this is from Matthew 16, 13 through 20. And I don't have these scriptures up here because I just added this in last minute. You know, this sermon was half-baked until yesterday. It's fully baked today, maybe. It was half-baked yesterday. So this scripture is, and we're familiar with this, is when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. It's in Matthew 16, 13 through 20. And he asked to the disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is, right? And they replied, some were like John the Baptist, some were like Elijah, some were like, you know, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Peter said, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you, listen to this. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Do you see what happened there? Jesus showed respect by acknowledging what Peter said, but also speaking out his true identity. He called him by name, and he spoke about his call and his purpose. And we must be mindful to do this when we are engaging with people. Whether they think the same with us or not, we must be mindful to speak to people out who they are and the purpose that we see in them. That softens hearts, that opens ears, that changes perspective. Number five is respond lovingly and tactfully. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. In order to respond lovingly and tactfully, there, there must be a priority, and this has to be it, that we will keep our heart that we would be mindful of what we're putting, what we're ingesting into our bodies, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to. Not all news is good news. Not all friends are spewing out truth. Some are spewing bitterness. If you're in that long enough, that is what you will spew out too. If you are around people who are spewing hate and indifference, and anger and bitterness, eventually that's what will happen to us. We have to be mindful to guard our hearts because when we speak, it is a reflection of what's going on inside of us. When I read that, that's convicting to me because sometimes I do not speak life. I speak anything but, and for those of you who had a conversation with me, you probably know that. You're like, yeah, you're right, you do. You are just, yeah. 
And Luke 6.45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What is your mouth speaking today? What is it speaking today? And Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. What does that mean that love covers all offenses? It doesn't mean that love ignores or dismisses wrongs. It's not what it means. What it is saying is people who are wise seek the good of others, even when, even when they've been offended, even when you've been hurt, even when you've been offended, you seek the good of others. As Dave mentioned last week, words have power, and loving people with our words is super important, and now more than ever, as we see our world, I've said this before, chaos People spewing whatever they want all the time on social media, face-to-face, whatever it is. No one's being mindful of how they are talking to one another. And we have to be mindful of what we are saying to one another at all times. The late poet Maya Angelou said, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And that's not a disregard of the power of words. That's saying that if you don't say the right thing or if you say the wrong thing with the wrong tone and the wrong heart, that people are going to remember. They're going to remember how they walked away from that conversation, feeling devalued, feeling hurt, feeling angered, feeling accused, feeling abused. They're going to remember that. And you could have been saying some really good things, but they're not going to remember the good things you said because you didn't say them in the right way. Lastly, number six, be okay with being uncomfortable and persist. You know, one of the biggest obstacles that we face today as a church as we seek to grow in our relationship with Jesus and one another is that we are unwilling to sit in discomfort. It's hard for us to sit in discomfort. I don't like it. Maybe you guys do. I don't know. I'll speak for myself. I don't like being uncomfortable. It's not fun for me. And our culture values comfort over a lot of things. That's why at the first hint of discomfort or conflict, we head for the hills. We don't like it. We run. Throughout Scripture, we read about God promising to be our comforter, but not promising us comfort in worldly things. And sometimes we get that confused. We've gotten it twisted. If we are to thrive as a people of God in our city and in this world, we have got to practice pressing into the uncomfortable, pressing into tension. And we can do this through the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us 
to sit with people in pain, that enables us to sit with our own pain and discomfort. We have to be better about this. We cannot be weak in this in the days ahead. One of my favorite scriptures is Hebrew 10.36. It's one of the reasons I have patient endurance tattooed on my arm because it's something that I lack and need constant reminding of. Is Hebrews 10.36, and it says this, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Perseverance, endurance, persistence, that is what the people of God are called to. Long-suffering, which is something we don't talk about. Great things come when we patiently persevere. Jesus can and does use our words and actions to bring about big changes. And most of the time, these changes start with a conversation. In a speech that he gave in, 19, in the 1960s in South Africa, Senator Robert F. Kennedy stated, few will have the greatness to bend history itself, but each of us can work to change a small portion of events and in the total of these acts will be written the history of each generation. You know, sometimes the small portion that we can do is having a godly conversation with someone, a hard conversation. The Spirit can use your words to motivate great change, so stay engaged in the complex conversations of our day. Reflect Jesus in every conversation and persist. Winning people over to our way of thinking isn't the primary goal of a conversation. It isn't. Patiently and gently loving, listening, and persisting with them throughout the multiple layers of the conversation is how we reflect Jesus to people. So I encourage you today, persist in that conversation. Put your eyes on Jesus. Worry about reflecting him to one another instead of worrying about changing someone's mind. As the worship team comes back up, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you that you are patient and gentle with us, that you are kind, that you are no stranger to hard things, God. We thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that enables us to have hard conversations, to engage in the topics that are on the hearts and minds of our city, Father. I just pray for each of my friends today, Lord. I don't know where they're at this morning. I don't know what conversations they have engaged in this week or what conversations they may be dreading in the week to come, Father. But I just pray that your Holy Spirit would meet them with peace and with confidence, Lord, and that your love would flow out of them as they seek to engage in conversations that speak life and purpose to people. Lord, we acknowledge that we can't do any of these things without you. It's through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's through the wisdom of your word that we're able to engage, God. So we just pray that you would give us the power to reflect you in mighty and tangible ways. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.